welcome back to Rewriting History, Making Legends, a Hamilton and Marvel podcast. Uh, sorry I'm a little behind, but um, uh, today we'll be talking about episode 2 of Hawkeye. Um, I know episode 3 came out um, just like two days ago, and I'm a little behind, but I'll try to get um, an episode out on the third episode of Hawkeye before episode 4 drops next Wednesday. Um, although I have to say... The third episode was great. Um, There will be no spoilers for it for those of you who haven't seen it yet. But I thought it was really good. And I think it's my favorite episode so far. Um, Since I've only seen Hawkeye episode 2 once, I'm not going to be going um, like scene by scene like I did with Loki. That's just a series. I kind of memorized the order of how things go. But I do remember a lot from Hawkeye episode 2. And I think a lot of it was really, uh, really fun. So, of course, Clint and Kate met, um, which it was really cool to see their initial interaction, um, and, like, the, the, I just think it was kind of fun how, uh, Kate reacted, where she was like, oh my gosh, you're Hawkeye. She's totally, like, fangirling over him, and he's just like, who the heck are you? Like, he's, kind of angry that she had to bring up the whole Ronan thing again, which he, he's really trying to make up for what he did as Ronan, and yeah, he did, uh, the people he killed were, like, criminals, but he doesn't have the right to make life or death decisions, and he killed a lot of people, and I think he's still really struggling with that, and now the ones after him, or after Ronan specifically, are the tracksuit mafia, and they're <clears throat> this gang of people. They're kind of, uh, they're not super well organized. They're kind of clumsy, very funny, um, and I think it's kind of unusual to have a gang of criminals that like make you laugh, but these guys are kind of ridiculous. Um, and they're kind of ridiculous in the comic books too, to be honest. Um, they're they're kind of just clumsy, weirdo criminals. Uh, but they are dangerous, at least in the comic books. And it appears they are dangerous in the show too, um, even if they are very funny. Um, funny doesn't always equal not dangerous. Um, anyway, they go to Kate's apartment where Pete's the dog is, and the first thing Kate does, which I thought was hilarious, was go up to get her bow and arrow, er, yeah, her bow, and ask Clint to sign it, which was, uh, really funny. What's interesting, and I know, um, I don't know why I've, I kind of picked up on this, but she immediately starts calling him Clint, she's not calling him, like, Mr. Barton or Hawkeye, she immediately goes to, um, Clint, which I thought was interesting because she, like, just met him, um, I think she just, she's trying, she just met her hero, so she's trying to get closer to him, and I think that's why she just immediately started calling him Clint, um, but yeah, she's very excited to meet her her childhood hero and the person that like inspired her to become this like 
epic fighter, um, and her hero just saved her again, like he did during the Battle of New York, um, and she finally gets to meet him, but the tracksuit mafia do find her because they saw her come into the apartment and they now know who she is because her name is on the buzzer and they torch the apartment uh kate leaves the ronin suit inside the apartment clint says he'll come back for it later um and of course kate has no idea that he used to be ronin he she just knows that he wants that suit um where other people can't get it because he doesn't want them getting hurt because of his mistakes she doesn't know that's the reason he wants it um she understands that people could potentially get hurt, but she doesn't understand the full reason why he wants that suit so badly. Um, but anyway, Clint decides he'll come back for the suit later. They grab Pizza Dog, and they're out of there, um, and they go to Kate's aunt's apartment or place or whatever. Um, and her, her aunt's name is Moira Brandon. And interesting facts, I was watching an Easter egg video um, on episode 2, and had I caught the name, I feel like I would have recognized it. Um, Moira Brandon's a name I've heard before, but um, they explained that Moira Brandon helped the West Coast Avengers team. Um, she was also an actress, so if you notice in... Um, Uh, the place where Moira lives, there's a uh, movie posters on the wall with her name on it. So, uh, either this is a very, very well-constructed Easter egg with a lot of different pieces to it. The name, the movie posters, the clothes. The clothes are very, um, act, like, very, uh... I don't even know what to call it, expensive, like, very showy, um, like how Moira Brandon used to dress in the comic books, so either it's a very, very well-constructed Easter egg with a lot of detail and thought put into it, or we could potentially see Moira Brandon as a character, like, in the show at some point. Now, what do I think? I think that it most likely, like, I'm kind of like 60-50, or sorry, 60-40 here, I'm like 60% sure that it's just a, it's just an Easter egg that's very well constructed. That would make a lot of West Coast Avengers fans very, very happy. And then I'm like 40% sure, like leaning um, towards the fact that maybe she could potentially be a character either in the show or at some point, and they're like hinting towards that or something. Um... Anyway, the they start, like, uh, so Kate grabs some food, and they start eating, and this is the moment when Kate first calls Pizza Dog, Pizza Dog, um, which I almost started sharing, to be honest, because I'm a huge fan of the Matt Fraction David Aha run, and that was where Pizza Dog was first introduced, and Pizza Dog is such a great character, and it was great to finally hear his name. Um, so yeah, uh, Clint goes back to the apartment. Um, he can't find the suit, but on the side of one of the trucks is a sticker for, like, a, a LARPing group or something. 
which is live action role play. So, and yeah, he saw like a video of, um, I believe it was one of the firefighters, um, with the Ronin suit on. So he decides to go to this, um, LARPing place and he, yes, it was really funny. He had to put on like a little, um, night suit, but he's trying to get to this guy to get the suit back. So he fights through all these people and all these people are being very dramatic about it, which I thought was, was kind of fun because like, so I play Dungeons and Dragons, so I do a form of a role-playing game. It's not like a physical role-playing game, but I know what it's like to get involved in these things. And you really have to be imaginative with things like this. Um, and so I could kind of relate to the people there that sometimes you really, really get involved. And that's a lot of what makes playing role-playing games fun. Now D&D is not a live action role-playing game, but it is a type of role-playing game. And you really do get involved in things like that, trust me. So, anyway. But it, it was really funny with the slow motion and everything to see him swinging past those people. And what I think he was enjoying was that this was not a life or death situation. He was not fighting Thanos for the Infinity Gauntlet. He was not fighting Natasha um, to see who would sacrifice themselves for the Soul Stone. It was not like a life or death situation. There was no sacrifice involved. He was just fighting through, and I think he just enjoyed the fact that it was very, um, free-spirited. But anyway, he gets to the guy who has the suit, um, whose name is Grills. Now, Grills was a name I instantly recognized because he was a character in the Matt Fraction, David Aha Hawkeye run, um, and he was a great character. He was super funny, but he did get killed by, um... Kazi, and Kazi is a character that gets introduced in this episode. Kazi is better known as the clown. Um, and he was also in the Matt Fraction David Aha run. Um, he's, he's the one that, yeah, killed Grills. Um, not saying that I'm, like, theorizing that Grills is going to get killed, or that if he is, or, um, that Kazi is going to kill him. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that Grills was killed in the comic books by Kazi. And both of these characters are in the show. Um, sorry about all the noise. Um, if you can hear that, I don't know. But um, I really liked Grills in the comic book. Um, oh my gosh. My dog is losing his mind. I bet my... My bigger dog just uh, accidentally stepped on him or something, or stepped on his paw. He's he's really um, he's 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 really sensitive, um, <laughs> and he'll scream like that because he's like a teenager. So, yeah, I know what that feels like. Anyway, sorry about the noise. So, yeah, Grills is a fun character, and it was really tragic when he was killed. But anywho, um. Grills uh, asks Clint, because he recognizes Clint, if he can, um, if Clint can purposely lose his fight, and uh, then Grills will give him the suit. And, you know, Clint, you know, he feels some sympathy for this guy, and uh, this guy being able to kill him in a LARPing contest would be great for him. Um, so Clint agrees, and I love that guy, 
in the sidelines who was like making sword noises while they were fighting. He was like gling gling. That was um the whole the whole LARPing scene was awesome and super enjoyable. Anyway, Clint purposefully loses. Uh, Grills thanks him and is really pleased when Clint tells Grills to call him Clint. Anyway, Clint gets the suit back. Yay, mission accomplished. Um, I think it was the next day when Kate was going to Eleanor's office or her mom's, uh, like, company. Um, her mom's name is Eleanor, by the way. Um, and Clint gives Kate, uh, his phone number, says, uh, call me if you're in trouble. Um, if you call me for any other reason, I'll block and delete you. And he starts to walk away, saying this is probably the last time they're going to see each other. Kate is visibly disappointed. Although she just said this really nice thing to him that, um, he is a hero, somebody people can look up to because she looked up to him. He doesn't think so because he knows, um, and no one else does, that he was Ronan, except Natasha, but, you know, she, uh, tragically died. I'm sorry, Natasha. Anyway, um... Although there there was that really funny scene when they were walking and they see all the heroes and there's that lady out there with a bow and arrow and Kate goes, oh look, that's you. And he knows, and he goes, no, no, that's Katniss Everdeen. Hunger Games emerging with the Avengers. That's something I never knew I needed. Anyway. Um, it was a couple of people dressed up as superheroes if I wasn't making that clear. But you guys saw the show anyway, so uh, you, you guys probably get what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, as Clint begins to walk away after giving Kate the phone number, she's like, oh, see ya, call you later. And he's like, no, no. I thought that was hilarious. Um, there's something really, really great about Kate's character. And I think I like her better in the show than I do in the comic books. I think it's really like her funny comebacks. The fact that she, um, is, like, courageous, but she's also a little bit unsure of herself. Like, she's trying to figure out how to balance that, um, makes her a lot more relatable, I think. And that just, I, I think it really gives her character a boost. Um, Kate is a great character in the comic books, very strong, very powerful, but she's very, I think she's more relatable in the show than she is in the comic books. So for me, that makes her a better character. Because I find a character better when I when I find a way to relate to them. Anyway. Um, Kate goes inside and she sees Jack and her mother. And they're talking. And she's a little weary of Jack. And Jack is saying he wrote this book on being like a stepdad or something. And he's identifying all these things that Kate is feeling. And... He's obviously making Kate mad. Um, and it was like, really, dude? Like, what are you trying to do here? Are you, like, deliberately trying to make her angry? Like, what is happening? Once um, she exits the office, she gets a call from this police officer. I forget his name, but he was also in the Matt Fraction, David Aharon. Um, and he was always getting annoyed with Kate. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a funny dynamic between the two of them, but anyhow, he asked her to come down to the station, uh, next day to ask her about the fire, because she doesn't seem at all bothered, so he's kind of suspicious, uh, 
I know I'm kind of skipping around scenes here, but I don't remember every single detail. What I do remember very vividly was the dinner scene with Jack, Eleanor, and Kate. And uh, Jack is telling them about um, sword fighting, and Kate asks if he wants to spar. And Eleanor is trying to, like, tone it down. She's like, no, 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 I don't think this is necessary. But Jack's like, sure, why not? So they spar, and Kate's getting really mad because she figured out he's allowing her to 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 win. Um, so when they pause, um, she swings for his head, and he, like, expertly parries her block, and her sword, like, flies out of her hand and starts, uh, the, the hilt of the sword twirls on the floor for a moment before it falls over. Eleanor is shocked, but Kate is like, Mom, 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 this proves what I'm saying. Like, this guy, he tells lies. I, there's something up with him. And Eleanor's like, no, no, don't, don't be silly. I don't, and then he, uh, Jack hands her a butterscotch, which was in Armand III's room. Um, Kate noticed these butter, the, like these, um, monogram butterscotches in Armand III's room right before she saw his dead and murdered body. Kate thinks Jack is the one who murdered Armand III. There are some clues pointing that way. He was threatening, Armand was threatening Eleanor. There's the monogram butterscotches. And then, of course, there's the fact that Armand was killed by a sword. Jack had a sword that night. He had the Ronin sword that he stole from the black market auction. Jack feels too obvious, which might be a way to lead us off the scent because we're like, nah, Jack's too obvious. And then we find it, it's Jack. And we're like, wait, what? It really was Jack? But he still feels too obvious. I don't know if they're going to go down that path. This is going crazy, but could it be Eleanor? Because Eleanor's really suspicious. I don't know what's going on with her. I feel like there's more going on with her than meets the eye. Like, could she be working for Don't Call Me Val? Or Valentina? Uh, Allegra de Fontaine? Or whatever her full name is. Um, I, I call her Don't Call Me Val. Because, I, I don't know, it's just not my name for her. Anywho. Because we... Yelena Belova is in the cast list, and we know from the Black Widow post credit scene that Yelena is hunting down Clint Barton. Um, by order of uh, Don't Call Me Val, who said, This guy killed your sister, now go kill him for me. Um, so we know Yelena's going to be in the show at some point, and that means that Don't Call Me Val is involved somehow. Now, part of my theory is that, like, Valentina is hiding behind the shadows. Like, she's kind of conducting a lot of the things going on in the show. Like, could Eleanor be working for Valentina? Or Jack? Or, like, both of them? What's also interesting is that Jack and Eleanor haven't really shown any signs of affection at all. Which makes you wonder if, um, there's something going on that they're working towards together. Or Jack's trying to get something from Eleanor. Or Eleanor's trying to get something from Jack. There's something weird about their relationship, and there's something weird about Eleanor. Um, and there's something weird about Jack, but we already knew that. I I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I don't know where they're going with Jack. Like I said in the previous episode, he, um, he was the swordsman. He is the swordsman from the comic books. Um, and the swordsman has been many different things. He's been a criminal. He's been a villain. He's been an anti-hero. He died, he became a villain again. It's like, 
it's kind of been all over the place. Um, not, like, low-key all over the place, but, like, because with characters like, uh, like Loki in the comic books, Loki's been kind of torn between two worlds, the good, the, the good world and the bad world, the good side and the bad side. Um, in the comic books, Swordsman was, like, one second, he's good, one second, he's bad, then he's an anti-hero, then he's a villain. It's, like, it's kind of bouncing all over the place. He's not torn. So I don't totally know what they're doing with Jack in the show. But, um, anyway. Then we go back to Clint. Clint, uh, is talking to his wife about doing the famous Black Widow move that we saw in the Avengers movie. Where she pretends to be captured, but she actually has the upper hand. And she's getting a ton of information out of, um, her captors before she escapes. So Clint decides to go with that. He gets, uh, he lets the tracksuits capture him. And there was that funny line where they put the bag over his head and they start dragging him to the truck. And he's like, guys, I can see through the bag. Um, this, uh, I really like the humor of the show because, um, there are some heavy beats to it, but then, um, it's also keeping in touch with the joyous feel of the holiday season, basically. So they're kind of making it funny, not too heavy, um, and sprinkling it with like little dabs of humor and things like that. It's definitely much less dark than WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, Loki, you know, shows like that. It's very, it's very light, like Guardians of the Galaxy-esque. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Kate tries to call Clint, um, first call goes to voicemail, second call, um, one of the tracksuits answers and says something about how she shouldn't call again, Clint's busy, blah blah blah. So she uses the technology from, uh, Eleanor's company to track Clint, um, and we cut back to Clint, who's, uh, like, untied himself, um, he just wants to meet the boss, um, and at this point, we know the boss is a she. Like, don't make... She wants them alive. Don't make her mad. Things like that. Anyway, he basically has the upper hand when Kate comes crashing through the skylight and lands on the ground um, in this totally, like, very clumsy, unheroic kind of way. And she's like, ow! I thought that was so funny where she just kind of acknowledges the pain for a second. And beforehand, the tracksuits have been questioning Clint about Kate Bishop and Ronan, and Clint had literally just been saying, I don't know Kate Bishop, I don't know who you're talking about, that is not Ronan, and suddenly, Kate comes crashing from the skylight, and there was that one, that one guy who was like, bro, I found her, I burst out laughing, that moment was so funny, because you're just trying to find Kate, and there's that one guy, as soon as she falls through the skylight, it's like he's accomplished something, he's like, bro, I found her great line uh anyway kate looks up she takes in all the all the all the guys and she's like Ugh, no one told me I, I was supposed to bring guns <laughs> and they tie both of them up to like these uh i don't even know what those were some kind of um carnival type thing um 
it was like those things, those, um, the animals that move back and forth if you put the coins in. You guys have seen the show. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, then we cut to, dun dun dun, this mysterious lady who's like feeling the beats of, um, like a sound system kind of thing. And one of the tracksuits comes in and he's using motions and making big movements with his mouth to try to tell this lady that they've captured Clint and Kate. And I immediately knew that it was Echo. And Echo is uh, a deaf character, but she's really cool. She learns in, in the comics how to mimic other people's fighting styles, kind of like Taskmaster, but Taskmaster, Taskmaster is more like, I wouldn't say programmed to copy people's movements, but kind of like that. Echo just does it. Hence the name Echo. Um, fun fact, she's played by Alakwa Cox, and Alakwa Cox is actually deaf in real life. Um, this kind of, I, I think it kind of offers um, relatability and representation both on and off screen because it's great to have a, a deaf character on screen and have representation in the show where you can relate to this character um, who's deaf, who has a kind of disability. But then you look at the actress off-screen, Alakwa Cox, who is also deaf, and she's accomplished so much. She's an actress, like a deaf actress, and she's done so much, and she got into an MCU film playing a deaf character, um, and an actress in the MCU um, as well. Um, that is a huge accomplishment, and therefore offers representation both on and off screen. It's really cool, I think. And I think it probably really helps with Alakwa Cox's performance because she understands and can very much relate to what Echo goes through every day. So, I just thought that was really cool. That's where the show ends. So, still have a lot of questions about Eleanor and Jack. Um, and what they're doing with those characters. And, yeah, that's really all I have for this episode. Um, the comic book for this episode is the Matt Fraction, David Aha comic book run. It is so good and definitely one of my favorite comic book series. Please check it out. It's what the show is mainly based off of. But please just read it. Like, you will not regret it. It is one of the greatest things ever written. Um... Not just about Hawkeye, but in like comic book history. It is so good and so great, and I love it. So just check that out, and you won't regret it. So yeah, uh, higher, further, faster. Bye!